Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 507. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. I continue to be, I'll always be, in the words of Mariah Carey, I'll always be your baby. Is that, a, Isn't that, is that a, what it was? I don't know. Don't question it, move on. We're here this week to talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or, you know, just like whatever we're into this week. Yeah, and only things we're into. Get out of here. Other crap. We don't want to talk about it. I will address my windows open. There are birds chirping. I am a Disney princess. It's real. So the deal rats with it, are everybody. running into his feet, the New York City rats, and they're like, hey, Ryan, <laughs> it's me. I mean, look, I do live in the Bronx, so there are <laughs> rats not far, but they're pretty good. They like they stay in their lane. I stay in mine. Everybody's happy. And Lorraine, this is a big episode. Yeah, we have a lot going on on the show, including some epic guests this week. Yeah, we have uh, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, stars of Marvel Studios Black Widow, David Harbour, one of the stars of Marvel Studios Black Widow, and Kate Shortland, director of Marvel Studios Black Widow. But that is coming up a little bit later in the show. For now, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. A little certain series, Marvel Studios Loki, had its big season finale this week. Holy moly. Here's the thing, is I feel like there's nothing left to surprise me. Because I feel like I've explored the options, I know what's going on, I've got the inside knowledge, and then some crazy stuff happens. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it yet because it's just out right now on Disney Plus with all the episodes of the series. But wow. Yeah, truly, truly wow. I feel like all these original series on Disney Plus that Marvel Studios is making feel like they benefit from a second watch through all Mm -hmm. in a row because you really start to absorb it and keep seeing the extra things that they're putting in, you know, especially... Episode five. I mean, that was jam-packed with little Easter eggs and and amazing references. But six, I think once you see it all come full circle, it's going to be a humdinger. And I can't wait for what comes next because there's a lot to get excited about. Can I tell you, I'm very amused because my landlady... She loves Marvel movies. She she loves it all. And um, I was like, have you watched Loki yet? And she was like, no, I haven't watched it yet. And she was like, oh, maybe I'll. And I was like, you know, it's wrapping up soon. So you should get in there and watch it. And she texted me this morning. She was like, I binged it all last night. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Which was so joyful and wonderful. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I'm so glad that Tom Hiddleston got to really do this series and, and take on the role of Loki and take it in so many really cool and amazing directions and that there's more to come. And speaking of things to come, Marvel Studios Assembled, Loki is coming out next week. It's such a wonderful documentary. There's one also for Marvel Studios Assembled, WandaVision, which was really wonderful as well. This one is narrated by Tom Hiddleston. I was really impressed with this because it really shows a wide breadth of the sort of Loki canon, as well as so much cool stuff about how they created this series because it was no small feat. No. And even just about the variants, about the final episode, like everything together, it's really, really Something spectacular. I love all these Marvel Studios Assembled documentaries. I really, there's like things you learn about the craft. There's a bunch of stuff that I learned in the Marvel Studios Assembled, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they did that that way. Mm -hmm. And it really adds a whole bunch to the series. So kudos to them for just making a, a, like a nice capper to one of my favorite TV shows. I think that was, I think Loki's up there. Yeah. But as we said, of course, watch all episodes of Marvel Studios Loki now streaming on Disney Plus. Do it, do it, do it. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also go over to Marvel.com or all of the Marvel or Loki social pages and you can check out the the character posters that were released recently for the various variants. Uh, you've got classic Loki, boastful Loki, kid Loki, president Loki, alligator Loki. I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised by how much the world has exploded around alligator loki no 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 questions this makes a hundred percent sense to me on every level he's my beautiful baby boy (laughs) i love him so much actually you should all go over to marvel.com must-haves and look at the marvel must-haves that are inspired by marvel studios loki because they have a whole bunch of alligator loki merch the 
Alligator Loki Funko Pop is the cutest thing. Also, I follow a lot of Marvel nail art. It's just a personal (laughs) preference of me. This woman that I follow posted a picture of the Funko Alligator Loki art as nail art. Wow. And I just love it. Also, shout out to all of the emojis. If you are seeing all those cute emojis around all the different Loki hashtags, those are by 100soft on Twitter, and they're so cute. I love them so much. But uh, go look at all the Marvel must-haves. There's a ton of Sylvie stuff, tons of t-shirts and and pops and things, as well as some Alligator Loki and, and all of the variants getting some love. It's really great. Hell yeah. And if you need even more Loki, there, of course, was The Simpsons, The Good, The Bart, and The Loki short that premiered last week, right around the time that we were going live. So we didn't get to talk about it, but it's up on Disney Plus right now. If you haven't seen it, it's wonderful. Loki visits Springfield. It's just a big crossover event that is kind of a love letter to the MCU. And we talked to the showrunner and sort of uh, one of like the heads of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. Al Gene, gosh, 20 years ago, I think that was. Uh, that was last year, around this time last year. Time. But you should go listen to that, that episode because he talks about, you know, how his love of Marvel really got infused into The Simpsons. And recently in an interview, he talked about how there are at least 100 Marvel Easter eggs in that short. It's definitely a very short, short film, mm-hmm. which is it's a very quick watch over on Disney Plus, And it's so fun. Also, Lisa as Thor. Mwah, chef's the best. kiss. The best. Of course she's worthy. She's friggin' Lisa. She's incredible. Um, all right. That is lots of Loki, but we still have more to talk about, more that we're excited about because Marvel Studios, what if we have seen the first new Funkos and Lego sets inspired by the characters in this upcoming Marvel Studios original series coming to Disney Plus. Wow. I don't have room for more toys and things, but I want Every freaking thing. Man, the Funko Pops are so dangerous because I could just have a million of them and never look back. Legos, too, are just like, chef's kiss. But there's Captain Carter, T'Challa Star-Lord, Hydra Stomper, and Doctor Strange, and Thor. So, you know, there's lots of cool different characters. Just go check them out. I think that's the best way to look at them and, like, really get a feel for them. And, of course, go watch that trailer on Marvel.com or on Disney Plus if you haven't already. And, of course, I can't believe it. It's so soon. Marvel Studios What If kicks off on August 11th only on Disney Plus, which is, like, not even a month away. Oh, what happened to this year? I don't even know. But with the year rolling along so quickly, one of the good things is we are getting so close to the release of Marvel Studio Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And we even saw some more toys around that. Yeah. There are also two sets of Legos and a super adorable Lego version of Shang-Chi poster. It's so cute. And then there are two new Lego sets over on Marvel.com. You should go check those out. And of course, get ready to experience Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings in theaters on September 3rd. That's also like a month after What If, which basically like we are in an avalanche of goodness and I never want to look back. All the gifts we could hope for and more. Did you see Simu Liu, the star? He tweeted the poster for the, uh-huh. that, that Lego poster. And he's like, look at that hair. Um, he's such a great follow on on Twitter and on social media. He's so funny. You know what? He's also on TikTok and he makes like little short films, which are wonderful. They're wow. so funny and like does little sketches, which is also a segue for me to tell you guys that Marvel launched a TikTok. We bought a zoo. So you can follow Marvel on TikTok if you're on TikTok. I know I am. You can follow at Marvel on TikTok, Marvel official TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. I honestly, Ryan, you know, I'm obsessed with TikTok. I know. Um, It's been really fun working on the Marvel TikTok stuff. So go follow and and hang out with us because we're still, we've got like 300,000 followers, I think, as of about right now. So it's, we're still in the early days. You can be one of the first. Wow. Get in early. But we have more going on this week. Marvel Studios Black Widow is in theaters and on Disney Plus with premiere access for an additional fee right now 
If you haven't seen the film yet, or maybe you are geared up to go see it, you should definitely go over to Disney Plus and watch Marvel Studios Legends Black Widow, which is all about Natasha Romanoff's legacy from the beginning of her time with the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to today. So it's a long look back at her history within the Marvel Studios world. So definitely go check it out. It's streaming right now on Disney Plus. Yeah. It's a great week for Marvel Studios also because the Emmy announcements came out this past week and holy moly, get a bucket (laughs) because you're going to need it to carry all these noms. Yeah, I think 28 in total for Marvel Studios across two shows exclusively available on Disney+. Plus. There's Marvel Studios' The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, which garnered five nominations. Holy moly. Outstanding guest actor in a drama series for Don Cheadle as James Rhodes. And then some other awards for outstanding sound editing, special visual effects, stunt coordination, stunt performance. Because obviously, what a visual feast for the eyes Marvel Studios, The Falcon, and The Winter Soldier is. And then big, huge shout out to Marvel Studios' WandaVision. I mean, truly a love letter to television, and television clearly appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Outstanding lead actress in a limited series or anthology series or film, Elizabeth Olsen. Outstanding supporting actress to Katherine Hahn. Outstanding lead actor to Paul Bettany. I mean... That's incredible in and of itself. Yeah. And then you've got, of course, outstanding original main title theme music for Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, the composers. The music was so celebrated in Marvel Studios' WandaVision. You've got outstanding original music and lyrics from the episode Breaking the Fourth Wall and the song Agatha All Along. Come on. That was the hit of the spring. I know. I was like, song of the summer, close enough. Song of the spring. (laughs) Um, But it really, I mean, that song blew up and for good reason, because it's phenomenal. Also, outstanding directing to Matt Shackman, which is incredible, who directed the entire series. Also up for outstanding limited series or anthology series overall, which is incredible. Outstanding special visual effects, outstanding production design, and outstanding casting, all for a limited or anthology series or movie. Yeah, but there's 23 awards, so there's also writing, picture editing, sound editing, sound mixing, hairstyling, music supervision, main title design, costumes, character makeup, music composition. I mean, they just went wow. wild. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's it really is like very heartwarming to see all of that love for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kudos. We'll keep our eyes out for more Emmy news in the coming weeks and or months. But we also have some stuff from Marvel Games. Yeah, we have Hercules dropping in Marvel Contest of Champions, which is going to be great. Everybody loves a Hercules. And we have Kate Pride arriving in Marvel Puzzle Quest. She's all in her Marauders gear. Yeah. She's all piratey. She's freaking great. Love it. Looking like the Red Queen that she is. All right. Last week, we told you all about Ultraman Day, and we had Ari Schoenfeld on to talk about that. Uh, so that was this past weekend. But we want to also point you out to a story on Marvel.com, which is really a great guide for Ultraman stuff that you can read and you can watch. Uh, so you can check that out on Marvel.com. It's cool because Ultraman is great. He's a big silver and red boy and he fights monsters and I like him a lot. And you can read the Ultraman comics that we do. There's two series right now, The Rise of Ultraman and The Trials of Ultraman. And then just enjoy beautiful, beautiful tokusatsu. Yeah, do it. So Ryan, mm. I know you love Marvel Legends potentially more even than me i don't know if it's possible though but hasbro is having their fan first friday for marvel legends this week uh what's going on with it um i can't tell you it's a big secret uh by the time but the look i will if i spoil it then i will i can't i can't i will say one thing Hmm. i'm in this one (gasps) so confirmation Start the tweeters. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a big one. I'm exceptionally excited for it. I don't want to say anything more. Um, well, well, really... well, tell people this. Explain yes. what Fan First Friday is. Yeah. So Hasbro does Fan First Fridays across their various brands. 
almost every week for whether it's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or G.I. Joe or Transformers or Marvel. So every once in a while, you'll get a Marvel one where they reveal some new sets or figures or what have you. And this one is a crucial one. It's a great one. July for Marvel Legends is banging. So you can watch this Fan First Friday at youtube.com slash Hasbro Pulse. You'll see all the news on Marvel.com and, and the Marvel and Hasbro Pulse social pages. I'll be tweeting about it and posting on my Instagram. We'll talk about it more in depth next week but if you want to get hype right now you can go over to hasropulse.com or wherever you buy your toys and you can pre-order the new marvel legend series hercules because lorraine have you seen him i don't think i have but i have the last hercules who i love wearing his like cute little skirt action it's so good i love this this figure so much it's a ding dang delight lorraine you know it's not a delight though what's that death the death of (laughs) dr strange more specifically There's going to be a new limited series, The Death of Doctor Strange, written by Jed McKay with art by Lee Garbett. And that's going to be coming in September, and it's going to explore the mystery behind Doctor Strange's death and the impact that it's going to have on Earth, which means tie-ins, baby tie-ins. Yeah, there's the... Death of Doctor Strange Avengers number one, which will be written by Alex Pacnadel with Ryan Bodenheim on art. The Avengers have to face off against a rampaging juggernaut and it gets all wild and Manhattan is uh, is in a bad way, as it often is. Do they need magic to deal with this? Hmm, we'll see. And then over on Strange Academy side of things, we have Strange Academy presents Death of Doctor Strange number one, written by Scotty Young with art by Mike Del Mundo. What? I mean, this creative team, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, so good. Mike is, I'm, I'm sad when he's not doing interior work. He's oh. doing such great covers, but like he did Weird World and he did some great Obsessed. stuff on an Electra series. He's done really amazing work. So having him do interiors here is truly a gift for all of us. But Doctor Strange is an important part of Strange Academy. And so how do the the kids there deal with that? And how does the staff and the whole school deal with his death? We'll have to read the book to find out. Man, I honestly, Mike Del Mundo just is one of those artists. When I see that he's working on a book, I'm like, I'm going to love this. It's so painterly and otherworldly. And he's got such a big imagination. And I love seeing him do anything that's like weird or monstery or magic-y because he's got a big, cool brain. For sure, for sure. Speaking of big, cool brains, uh, the big, cool brain of Benjamin Percy helped write Marvel's Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord. And now we are on Chapter 8 of the series, uh, which you can listen to on SiriusXM or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know where else you can hear it? Where's that? Right here, right now. Take a listen. Here he is. Holy hell, Red! How are you even still alive? Same could be said about you, Old Man Quill. Oh, so what happened back at the farm? They came for me like I said they would. They stripped me and tied me down. Had me watch while they torched the cabin, the barn, the stable, the coop. But you're here. I'm here because my cabin wasn't the only thing burning that night out in the wastelands. The Ghost Riders? Yeah. Flaming arrows hit one guy in the eye could hear his brain cooking inside his skull. Another one got it in the chest, another one got it in the guts. Then the ghost riders came pounding out of the dark, hooves sparkling, horses screaming like banshees. I would have filled my britches if I had some on. They asked me if I wanted to ride with them. I said yes. I said hell yes. The ghost riders have joined the second dawn. Everybody's coming together. Enough. Enough. Again, you can check out Marvel's Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord on SiriusXM or wherever you get your podcasts. It is a banger. Yeah. And while you're getting your Marvel podcast fix, wherever that is, check out Marvel's pull list because we had some really fun reading club guests this week. Comedians Kevin and Will Hines, who are have done a ton of stuff for UCB. Yeah, Kevin used to write for us back in the day. He used to work on the Watcher series with me like 8 million years ago. Oh, wow. I mean, they're both some of the funniest guys around. They, oh, man, 
That's yeah. awesome. That that takes yeah. me back to my comedy days. Yeah, and they're they're big Marvel nerds. They have a podcast about comic books, but we brought them on to talk about Fantastic Four two forty five, which is a a great Sue Storm issue, and um and we we kind of talk about the whole John Byrne run of Fantastic Four with them. So good. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty rad. I, I don't know it that well. It's one of those things that like. I should fully read when I have <laughs> time. But um, yeah, we also gave our picks for the week, which included Aliens Aftermath, number one, which is a sequel to Aliens that follows up on that second movie in the Alien franchise. Spider-Woman 13, which honestly, one of my favorite comics out right now. It is incredible. And Carnage Black, White and Blood, number four, which, man, this was a great book. Man, I'm just thinking about John Byrne because you know I'm obsessed with John Byrne. I became so obsessed with the She-Hulk series that I then decided to follow the Avengers and Fantastic Four series that he wrote, Mm. um, mostly to continue reading She-Hulk because I just love that, like, at one point she slaps Clint Barton and then, like, kisses him. I don't know. It's very confusing, but I really enjoyed it. It's really absurd and funny. And, man, I would just go back and read every single one of those. I just love when he writes and draws. You know, he does both. He plays double duty. It's really, really great. Yeah. And you can, if you have Marvel Unlimited, go read all those comics, enjoy, and then go to Sirius XM or wherever you get your podcast to listen to Marvel's pull list. All right, Lorraine, it is that time in the show where we get into our interviews. And this episode is jacked. We've got tons of interviews this week. We've got, what do we have? Three interviews. Who's up first? Well, we have a whole cadre of folks from Marvel Studios, Black Widow. And first and foremost, we have our friend and co-worker and all-around great gal, Ellie Pyle, who is from the Women of Marvel podcast. And she interviewed Scarlett Johansson, who plays Natasha Romanoff, and Florence Pugh, who plays Yelena. And uh, they had a nice little chat. And so she's hopping over here on the pod to share that interview with us right here, right now. Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, welcome to Women of Marvel. Scarlett, you've been part of the MCU since the beginning. How does it feel to get into Natasha's backstory in this film? Really daunting at first because, you know, we had kind of a time in the universe that we wanted this to fit in. Anything was possible. Um, You know, we started with like a blank slate. We certainly had sort of alternate story ideas, like scripts, even at times alternate anti-heroes and, you know, that we were playing with. And it was just like, anything is possible. You know, it's like, you kind of have like blue sky ideas and then you have to figure out like how to pair everything back and make it all feel like a movie, you know, as opposed to just sort of an idea. And so it was daunting. I mean, there was definitely obvious ways for us to go with this. I guess the obvious way would have been something that felt like a spy thriller kind of film, you know, and so we just tried to get as far away from what was expected as possible. And so I think with this movie, you really get dysfunctional family film. And then like this, the Marvel universe sort of like crashes into it. And it's, really kind of takes the whole idea of what a Black Widow movie would or could be and flips it on its head. And that's what makes it a Marvel movie, in fact. That's awesome. Now to you, Florence. Since this is your first introduction to the MCU, can you tell us who Yelena is and what attracted you to her character? I mean, first of all, it was very exciting slash intimidating to hear that I was in the mix to play Scarlett's younger sister, and especially in a film that's been wanted for so long. It was like, well, what purpose is this younger sister? What is she going to do? How is she going to hold herself? And I was really, really impressed and excited to see that she was her own being and she had her own kind of heartbeat and she had her own opinions. And I think straight away off the page, there was something really wonderful about just how stubborn and bullshit and strong she was. And she wasn't afraid to voice her opinions. She's very loose in a sense. She doesn't quite know how to be in normal society and she doesn't quite understand normal life. And so it was quite exciting to play someone who was so skilled at this one thing, being an assassin, and yet was so fresh and excited to see the world for the first time. So there were lots of layers about Yelena, and I was just really excited to be welcomed into the MCU and actually have, you know, a real person that was going to mean something to, I suppose, Scarlett's character. And I uh, I loved it. It was great. 
Speaking of Scarlett's character, we actually got to see a few clips of Natasha and Yelena's dynamic in the trailer. Scarlett, in your own words, how would you describe their relationship? It's a complicated relationship because these two women, their relationship is based on a feeling that they had as children and a dynamic that they had as children. Florence's character, Yelena, being quite young and my character being sort of like a teenager. And you know, whatever there is in that, like big sister, little sister thing, like some jealousy, obviously fondness, playfulness, mischievousness, but you know, their relationship is, is based on how they were as adolescents. And then this huge period of time goes by where they grow and develop as women. And when they come back together again, you know, there's a lot of I think disappointment, expectation, betrayal, confusion, pain, regret, and a, like a lot of very complicated feelings about one another. And, and yet they still kind of regress back to being children too. That's all baked in there while still kind of, then you look at somebody and you see them and it's a grown woman and, you know, you realize you don't really know anything about them. You know, you do and you don't at the same time. And so it's, it's quite complex, the relationship. And I, I think this film does such a beautiful job of exploring that relationship. You know, it's really, it's very moving. And I think you root for these two characters. You know, you root for these two women. You hope that they're able to be stronger together. So that's what you want which is really important for the success of the film, I think. I want to pivot a little to your co-star, Rachel Weiss. What can you tell us about her character, Melina, and what was it like working with her? Well, we can say that she is a loving mom, even though she has two sides. She definitely, as you see in the trailer, she says we did our job and we played it well, but actually she really did do her job. She raised two very strong, independent women who were separated, and so actually had to kind of use what she had taught them from a young age to become who they were. So Rachel was amazing to work with. She's so cool and she's so loving and she was such a beautiful presence to have on set. I mean, you actually probably had more things to do with her than I did. I only had one dinner scene, uh, a few scenes. We like to think about the like multi-generational aspect of trauma that these women all experience. And, you know, I talked a lot with Kate when we were kind of developing the story about how women have coped with like systemic oppression over like generations and what our oftentimes, you know, conflicting feelings are about, about our, you know, position in society. And so if the Molina character is like the generation before Natasha's, her survival skills are, you know, are going to be different than Natasha's. Um, and what Nata Natasha, I think, is stuck with kind of one foot in the past and one foot in the present. Like I, I feel like many women in my generation are feel in some ways. And then the Yelena character should feel much more self-confident, like hopeful, more comfortable in her skin, more, you know, confrontational. And, you know, I think that's sort of, you know, the characters all kind of like represent, I think, like I said, women in, you know, in different kind of mind space, you know, um, but they're all survivors. They're all survivors. And mm -hmm. Rachel plays her character so tenderly. I mean, she's wacky. She's tough. She's all of that stuff and multifaceted, but she's, she has a tenderness and vulnerability about her. That's very, very touching and uh, unexpected, you know. For my last question, what are you most excited for fans to see in Marvel Studios' Black Widow? I'm excited for the fans to see young Natasha and young Yelena because I think they created something really beautiful and the scene of all of them as, as kids was done so well. And I remember when I watched it, I just kept on bouncing on the sofa thinking like, this is insane and they did such an amazing job and those girls were so incredible and also just to see what this famous character was like as a kid and what she looked like and how she moved and I think the casting was done so well and the stuff that they got was so beautiful I'm excited for that yeah I think I'm excited also for the audience to see the red room I'm excited mm -hmm. for to see what that was what that is it's been so sort of storied this movie has a lot of those fun 
Easter egg surprises for fans. And I, it just, I love the Soviet kind of heaviness of this film, you know, supported by an amazing soundtrack and incredible tone. I think it's just very, very different from anything else that Marvel has put out there. And I, I can't wait to see how fans respond to it. I think we're all in for a good time. Thank you both so much for chatting with me today. Thank Thanks, you. Ellen. Big thank you to Ellie for jumping in and helping out with some great interviews. Of course, thank you to Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh for being on the show. Uh, but now we've got another interview that we did with Marvel Studios Black Widow star David Harbour, who plays Alexi, a.k.a. the Red Guardian in the film. And uh, he was the best. Take a listen. Uh, we have a very special treat this week in Marvel. We have from Marvel Studios Black Widow, the one and only David Harbour. Hi, David. Hi, how are you? We're all the better because we're hanging out with you. What is your Marvel origin story? What were you first introduced to in the Marvel Universe? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like there was such a shift when Iron Man came out. I, I know that Marvel was for that in a sense. I mean, I'm sure throughout the history. I myself was not that into the comics when I was growing up. I was into a lot of other nerdy stuff, but like comics were not my thing until I hit my 20s and I got more into the graphic novel sort of world. So I guess my real introduction to like Marvel was that Iron Man movie with Robert Downey Jr., which just came on my radar as like a movie that looked interesting and good. And I went to go see it and I thought it was just like, really well done extraordinary and it kind of launched this of course like it launched this whole thing yeah so i think that was really my big introduction to marvel what are your other nerdy things that you grew up like obsessing about i know lorraine and i have a million different things what was it for you i mean i was a big like dungeons and dragons guy when i was a kid and i was growing up i used to play <laughs> i remember like in middle school I was young, what was I, like 11 or something, 10 or something? We used to go play, one of our teachers had a game, you know, in this little room in the school. And after school, we'd go play Dungeons and Dragons for hours and hours. And uh, I just loved it. He would like draw all these maps. I mean, it was really old school back then. Now, everybody has boards and, and back then it was just us and some graph paper and like <laughs> rulers and just like little, you know, drawings and stuff. But it was so... Amazing. And then the other thing I guess that's real nerdy about me is I was big into video games when I was a kid. I mean, still kind of am a lot of like retro -y type stuff when I was growing up. I mean, you know, those iconic games of like Super Mario Brothers and like Zelda, these games, which I still feel like haven't really been topped, it, you know, even though games get better in a certain way, graphics wise, all these things, but just the gameplay of something like Legend of Zelda. I mean, it's just like, it's unbeatable. Um, so yeah, I'm still very much into games and Hell things yeah. like that. So yeah, that, that was really my nerd culture. I, I'm on the lookout for a CRT TV because I just moved and now I, I have access to my Sega Saturn, Genesis, Sega CD, my NES, Super Nintendo, like all of it. And it, it doesn't play well on a on a flat screen. You still have to connect with those Radio Shack like things that yep. toggle between TV and video. Yeah, you got to put it on channel three, all that stuff. Amazing. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I love that you play D&D &D also because I'm at a half elf rogue for life um Whoa. yeah <laughs> uh my favorite but let's let's talk about marvel studios black widow because otherwise we would just geek out with you all day <laughs> very easily what initially attracted you to playing alexi in the film i mean i had a meeting with kate shortland the director she sat down and pitched the story it was something where you know on these marvel movies they don't send you the script mm -hmm. especially if you're not already signed on to do it so she just pitched me the whole story and she started out with the pitch saying like, you know, there's this guy and he's this, you know, Russian, he's in the, he's in this prison, he's got tattoos all over his body. He's like, and I started to envision this thing and I was like, oh, wow. And then, and then she was like, and also like, he's really needy. And like, he wants people to think he's funny. And like, well, and I was like, whoa, like she kept sort of throwing all these twists and turns. And every time I seemed to get a handle on it, there would be like another dimension to his character. And I thought that was amazing. 
And so I really wanted to be a part of that. I mean, I just really wanted to make that movie. She's such a talented, smart, beautiful director, a lot of depth to her as a human being, but also to what she brings to a project. So I wanted to work with her. And of course, like Scarlett Johansson, I mean, the MCU, uh, you know, they paid me money to make sure. <laughs> I mean, there were lots of like positive things about this movie. It was hard one to be like, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm not. It was just, there were so many positives this movie. But at its essence, it was just that this character was so rich and complex. I just loved him immediately when she pitched him. That's a laundry list of good stuff. Yeah. You know, part of the the joy, I think, of the film is the relationships that we really get to experience. What can you tell us about Alexi's relationship with Natasha and Yelena and Melina? I don't want to give too much away, but I think you see already that there's a family structure at place with the four of them. There is these sequences with him younger and her younger. And he occupies this sort of father avuncular sort of position in her life. And, you know, I think the film will, will sort of let you know more about what they were doing and who they sort of were. But it's really that he's sort of a father figure to her. And she is, it's a lot more complex than that, which you'll see. But she is basically his oldest child and sort of like the firstborn. And Yelena's more the baby. And that, and that was a really interesting dynamic too. The idea of the firstborn child as opposed to the baby and the expectations on that person. You know, I mean, I'm a firstborn child. So I know that there's a lot of, I mean, firstborn children to a certain degree, I don't know if this is true universally, but they tend to be, have a lot of pressure put on them. And so I thought that dynamic was really interesting with our thing as well, because Scarlett's character becomes an Avenger. I mean, you know, this sort of incredible super spies, incredible woman, incredible human being. So yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'll say about it for now. And then you'll see there's a lot of other colors in the movie that emerge from this dynamic. And speaking of that dynamic, you know, that all comes from getting to work with the fabulous cast, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, all incredibly badass women. What was it like getting to work with them and forge those relationships on screen? You know, initially when cast, it was incredibly intimidating for me. They're all like not only mega stars and women that I grew up watching, you know, I mean, not Florence. Florence is much younger, but like Rachel, you know, I've known since like the mummy when I was in, mm. what was I in like college or something? And then like Scarlet Ghost World, I think was the first movie I saw her in. And, and I was, I mean, she was like, 15 years old in that movie and she so they've been like people that I've grown up watching they're also like megastars and also they're like academy award winners and so the intimidation factor going in was incredible and then upon like almost after our first rehearsal or during our first rehearsal I started to be like oh yeah these are just people committed to making a good movie and committed to being great actors and there was such an embracing of what we were doing and such an intimacy that developed almost right off the bat. And so much of the work comes out of that. I mean, a lot of Rachel and my relationship, I just loved Rachel as an actress, as a human being. And so a lot of stuff in the movie between me and her, they were at one point kind of this thing and then they've fallen out in a lot of ways and then they kind of reconnect. And I just loved her so much that I wanted to bring all this like, color to that relationship and Kate was very open to it and Rachel was very open to it so we created this sort of thing that then became very fun to play this intimacy and I think all of us had such deep connections with each other as we were filming this thing and that all just like fueled and went into the movie because Kate Shortland's such a sophisticated director and she sees things going on she wants to capture them on film and puts it into the movie so it was um yeah it was great Speaking of Kate Shortland, you're, you're saying she's like seeing things as you're going along and trying to put that in the film. What's that process like? Improv is not the word I'm looking for, but just like there's an evolution to the filmmaking, which I imagine for you as an actor has to feel pretty cool to like be able to see the characters grow outside of whatever box you thought they had to be in. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something about making a movie I was thinking about this the other day with like, you think about a movie like Big with like Tom Hanks and Penny Marshall directing, or you think about like the Karate Kid with like the chemistry between these actors and, and the reason why those movies res still resonate and we continue to go back and watch them. They hold up because the filmmakers themselves were kind of paying attention to what was real and what was working. 
And so that's really something that Kate does as well. She paid attention to what was happening between us and she wanted to foster that and capture that. And that's, you know, sometimes you'll be involved in these movies where people just want to shoot their script. And uh, Kate wasn't interested in doing that. She was interested in what we were going to bring to it. Not that the story's there and, you know, that's sort of on rails. And she was like, what else can we bring to that? And there's so much color and um, complexity to that. And she let us like riff. Like, as I say, there was about a week where we shot that big dinner table scene. And also there's other scenes in the house that are very important to the movie. And it was like a week, two weeks of this shoot. And it was just like, you know, 14 hour days of us take after take of this improv and playing and she'd like let us have other things and we'd go off and we'd laugh in the middle of things have to reshoot stuff so many angles but I think they captured something very special that was what was happening in the room with us a lot of films because there's so much money riding on them they want to like shoot the previous they want to like do it and look we've done it we know what it is let's just shoot it and this wasn't that it was very inspired you know i think that's rare and that's takes a certain filmmaker and a certain confidence and i, I really appreciate that well and a truly wonderful moment that you know we've seen in the trailer that's come out of that uh is we get to see that red guardian costume what was it like for you the first time you put it on because everybody i feel like has a story the first time they put on a real marvel superhero kind of style costume yeah it's like amazing i mean it's amazing <laughs> you never get to, i mean like as men too, like we rarely get to wear cool stuff. Like I feel like even when I dress up for a premiere stuff, it's just like a suit. It's like, and they're nice, they're interesting, blah, 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 but they're not like people at the Met Ball dressing in these like crazy things, like people in life dressing in crazy things. And I've never really done that. So this was like that, plus the fact that when you're a 10 year old nerdy boy, you think of yourself as a superhero and you always sort of in the back of your reptilian brain that always kind of exists. And here you finally are. Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, it's so fun. The funny thing, the really funny thing about it, though, is the way they make those suits. You stand in these rooms and they have like hundreds of cameras that take flash photos of you and they can print out a 3D model. They'll do it for CGI a lot. But for the suits as well, they sit you in that thing. They have you pose in various ways. And they take all these photos and then they literally print out, 3D print, a model of your body. You're wearing just underwear. You're like naked. They 3D print out a naked model of you. And then they sculpt this super suit on that particular thing. So it literally is like they've had you there and they're fitting you constantly. And they said to me at one point, they were like, you want to see the model? It's like in this room. And I was like, God, no. Are you kidding? Like it's bad enough when I look in a mirror. Like the idea that I want to stare at my 3D printed body. Oh my God. What a so I thought that was a really funny thing about the way they make it. You don't want it for your living room? Just keep it. Yeah, God, no. Are you kidding? Oh, how awful. That's like an out-of-house message. You just leave that standing in front of like the window in the front and nobody yeah, exactly. oh, oh, he's home. That's All right, I'll leave it. Yeah, it's a scare, David. Put him on a treadmill, have him walk back and forth. <laughs> You, of course, are part of, uh, you've been experienced with hardcore fandom. Stranger Things fandom, I think, is is really passionate and something I think you're, you're kind of familiar with in a lot of ways. Have you talked to to Scarlet or anybody else from the MCU about the Marvel fandom? Because between Lorraine and I, we've been at Marvel about 25 years. And so we've seen the passion that our fans have. It's pretty cool. I'm very excited for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've ever talked about it directly, but it's uh, it's something that yeah, I've definitely experienced with Stranger Things. And I don't know how it is in the Marvel thing. I'll have to like enter into it and see how it is. I do know that for the Stranger Things one, it's extremely supportive and like they're just such joy behind it. And I think on the internet in general, it's hard to find that joy. And I do find that beautiful when people can come together. And especially for me, like, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do like Comic-Cons and things like that is because like when I was growing up, there wasn't really that world. Like, I think it's really sort of come to the fore in the past, like whatever, 10 years, like it wasn't really around. Comic-Con scene didn't really feel the same way. And I love the fact that nerds like me can like come together in a space where you feel completely safe which is not always the outside world for someone like me like completely safe with other people with the same passions and the same things and nobody's gonna make fun of you for the dirty <laughs> thing and just like nerd out and just joyfully do that so 
I definitely know the Stranger Things crew and that sort of attitude. And I, I, yeah, I assume the Marvel one is uh, very similar, but I just love the positivity and the joy that people have about this whole, these universes, these sort of fantasy worlds. All right, Marvel fans, you heard it. That's your call to action. Go out and welcome David right now to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and go see Marvel Studios Black Widow in theaters. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's right. We're back again. Back, back, back again. This time we have the director of Marvel Studios Black Widow, Kate Shortland. I loved this conversation. Um, I love listening to your connection together especially with your history and and talking about family, which was really cool. Man, what a good time. Yeah. Hi, Kate. Thanks for chatting with us for This Week in Marvel. What is your Marvel origin story? How did you first learn about the Marvel characters, get connected to them? Was it uh, seeing a movie, a television show? Was it reading a comic? What was it for you? I came late to Marvel. The first two Marvel films that I saw were... Thor Ragnarok and then I was so very late and that was because Taika is mm. New Zealander and I know his work because I'm Australian and I love his work and then I saw Black Panther with my kids because my kids are African Australian and it was just such a great a great film and I, I loved it so much and then I have of course immersed myself in Marvel and what's really beautiful is it's something you can watch with the whole family yeah, what a wonderful two film introduction to to the <laughs> yeah. to the MCU and to all of Marvel though. Wow, that's fantastic. It's been really fun watching them with my daughter actually and watching like Infinity War and Endgame and then Winter Soldier which is one of my favorites. Also, wonderful film Marvel Studios Black Widow. How did you first get approached by Marvel Studios or how did that connection get made and and what's your origin story with the studio? Scarlett had seen some of my art house films, my mm -hmm. films, and thought that I would be interesting for this film. And then I was approached in, a, I was in Australia and I just didn't understand why I would be approached for this movie. And then I spoke to Brad and Brian <laughs> and the producers and really they spoke about heart and emotion and her journey. And then I started getting to know Scarlett by Zoom and she spoke to my daughter, which was really great, just by chance. And I thought it was going to be a big machine. And what I saw was it was a group of really lovely people that cared about story and wanted to make something beautiful. Oh, I love that. Speaking of story, of course, you know, Scarlett has been playing the role of Black Widow for, gosh, over a decade now. Uh, what are those conversations like with her as you're diving into the character's backstory. I mean, I, I'm sure she's partially giving you a crash course, but she chose you for a reason. What are those conversations like to figure out where to go with, with the Black Widow's tale? We started just slowly getting to know each other by Zoom. And then we were talking also to Jack Schaefer, who wrote the very first draft of the movie. And just the three of us would talk and we would talk about what mattered and what we wanted to delve into. What I was interested in was how does she put herself back together? Because when she starts this film, she's really isolated. She's being kicked out. She's on the run. And I always love a hero that's down because mm. then they've got, <laughs> they've got a long way to go. So it was kind of like what we did during the film was we also had to think about Endgame that she sacrifices herself in Endgame. And how do we make sense of that in this film? Right. Well, there is so much to, to make sense of, and there are so many things that you can look back on from the MCU. It's over 20 films at this point. Were there sort of inspiration points that you were taking from the MCU and little components or things that you really wanted to explore in the direction of the film as you were going back and watching? Or were there other films or genres that you were like, oh, that could work for what we're building here together? I looked at women like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs, hmm. especially the very first one, Sigourney Weaver in Alien. So what I was looking at was flawed vulnerable women who actually had to, it was almost like they had to put on the superhero coat. They didn't already have it on. 
And that's what we see at the beginning of this movie. She's in a public bathroom. She looks pretty bad. She's for Scarlet. She's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Um, she's really vulnerable. And that to me was really interesting. How do we watch her? How do we go with her on that journey where she becomes Black Widow and she's going to fight to the death, you know, at the end of this film? I keep thinking about family and you you talking about family and, and your, your children. And I have a, a two-year-old daughter who she was adopted two years ago. And um, thinking My about... My kids are adopted. Yeah? It's amazing. So family was really interesting to me yeah. in this because Kevin had this idea that the central piece of the film is the dinner scene. And Scarlett and I fought him. We were like, how is this ever going to work? This isn't going to work. Blah, 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 blah. And Scarlett was like, why was she? Blah, 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 blah. And then as we went through the sort of scripting process, we saw his genius rise yet again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for me as an adopted parent, it was also about what is family? Like how do we explore some of these ideas about what connects us? Is it shared experience and our love and our sense of community or is it biological or is it a bit of both? And Victoria Alonso from Marvel is also an adopted parent. So we were kind of, it's funny that it came up quite a bit about how do we create family? And I think now what's happening is you watch something like Friends, that's about a created family. You know, and that's kind of a new thing as the nuclear family in some ways has failed people. People choose to create their families. As the youngest in my family unit, I felt so incredibly seen by the, those moments and, and the sort of place that everybody holds within the family as it's chosen, you know. But I guess the flip of that is that there are just so many phenomenal action scenes that are happening all the time and they're interlaced with this really emotional story how do you you know tie those things together and and balance those things i think with my background in art house film i i felt like i had something to prove so when i decided that i was going to take the job and i was going to do this film one of the things i really wanted to do well was the action sequences so we did so much work on them and it was one of my favorite favorite things in the movie was shooting fight sequences like the apartment fight and taskmaster fight oh the widow fight which darren prescott uh, my second unit director who's just so awesome he shot a lot of that he shot a lot of the fights, you know, so much. But what was really great was I got to be shooting sometimes for three or four days first, Darren would come in and then I would maybe do one other day or he would finish it. But he and I collaborated really closely. So, and with the choreographers, it was, um, I want to do more. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so, because it kicks ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's there's a lot of special effects and really cool things. I, I imagine that's got to be, real fun to play with as well, like tapping into the resources that Marvel Studios can provide with the breadth of technology and cool things. And I almost imagine you're like a kid at a candy store in some ways. On some days you're going in, obviously it's hard work, but other days it's like, all right, today we're going to do X, Y, or Z. What are some of those days like? Uh, what was really incredible, because you're usually told you have to stop and very early on, um, Victoria Alonso said to me, we don't want you to stop. We just want you to keep creating ideas, keep creating moments and worlds, and you can go as far as you like. When we're ready, we'll tell you stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was beautiful because I was collaborating with um, Jeff Bauman, who was visual effects, and his whole wonderful team. And we created worlds. We were shooting in the middle of summer in a gulag in Russia, in the outskirts of London, in a heat wave. It was crazy what we did and then what visual effects came in and created with us. It really seems to take a village. And on top of it, then you layer in that you have a bunch of folks who are Russian. And I know that you've worked with foreign language film. I know your film, Laura, 
was in German, but you don't speak German, correct? So, so this isn't necessarily new for you, but what, what is it like working in a language that you, I don't know that you speak Russian fluently either, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I love the language though. I love listening to it. Um, We had great translators on set and I work with a Russian historian in pre-production and we created a really beautiful backstory for Scarlett and for Yelena and Rachel and David so that we knew there was a sense of reality that the cast could draw on and that Eva Anderson, who was 12, she could read that backstory and understand what she'd been through as well. Pretty amazing. Last thing I wanted to ask is, what is it like to finish a movie? Where's your head at? Are you excited? Are you relieved? Are you like, (laughs) just want to hug your kids? Because I know I just would be like grabbing my my daughter and putting her (laughs) on my back and running around. We finished a year ago. And when the film's been locked for a year, and I think for me it's about celebrating the release of the film and also the fact that a lot of us can go into cinemas and feel safe and enjoy it. And I just can't wait. I can't wait to get in there with a big thing of popcorn. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just that sound to blast me. I want to feel, I want the sound to be so loud that I can feel it in the floor. So I feel the punches. <laughs> we'll be right there with you. Thank you so much for speaking with us. And of course, everyone, if you have not yet, go watch Marvel Studios Black Widow in theaters and on Disney Plus Premiere Access. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Kate Shortland and congratulations to, to Kate, as well as the entire cast and crew of Marvel Studios Black Widow on just a huge, wonderful, successful and fantastic movie film. <laughs> And of course, experience Marvel Studios Black Widow in theaters or on Disney Plus with premiere access for an additional fee now. All right, it is time for uh, looking ahead to next week and giving y'all a question of the week. Next week, we're going to have a very spoiler-heavy series of conversations all around Marvel Studios Loki. We have Natalie Holt, Christine Wada, and Kazra Farahani, the composer, costume designer, and production designer, respectively, for Marvel Studios' Loki. So I think with all that in mind, Lorraine, what do you think? Maybe um, we'll ask folks what their favorite costume is? Yeah, I mean, there's so many wonderful costumes in the series. Tell us what your favorite costume was in the series. You can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. You can email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com, or you could message them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ThisWeekInMarvel. And of course, please tell us if it is, quote unquote, okay to read on the show. Yeah. And bonus, if you want to let us know your favorite song or or theme from the series, please do. If you want to tell us your favorite sort of like location in the show, Mm -hmm. you can let us know that as well. Remember, though, keep in mind spoilers. If you you do it, send us a private message so you don't put that spoiler out into the world. All right. We have our community section up right now. And our question of the week last week was... What does it mean to you to have a Black Widow film? First up, we have Keeping Up With Scarlet, appropriately titled at What's Up Scarlet. And they said, it means so much to me to finally be seeing Natasha Romanoff getting her own solo movie after waiting four years. This movie has strong action, great performances, especially Scarlet and the family dynamic being my favorite aspect of the whole film. Mm-hmm. Pab Games at Real Pab Games tweets, it was great seeing Black Widow's history and family dynamic. Loved meeting the new characters, but my favorite part was seeing how selfless she really is. Sure, she is a super dangerous agent, but she gives it all for the people she cares about. Next up, we have Reeves saw Black Widow at Wanda's Ring 10, which says, Having a Black Widow film meant so much to me because it meant that we would be able to finally see more of Natasha's life that we fully didn't get to in the other movies, even though she's the one who held the Avengers together and was there for all of them. Coco saw BW at Fear Lust Pride tweeted, As a longtime MCU fan, it felt so emotional to finally see Natasha's life beyond the Avengers. We finally got to see Natasha's whole story in Black Widow, and it made her sacrifice in Endgame even more touching. (laughs) Too soon. All right, next up we have Lydia Castillo at 
Lydia Kazam, which says, it means justice for Black Widow, all of them, and it feels as if we were finally able or allowed to read a previously classified secret report on Natasha Romanoff's fugitive adventure back in Mother Russia. It feels right. I like that. A, mm-hmm. a previously classified secret report is a really cool way to sort of think about it. Mm-hmm. Norhal at Norhal says, it feels like finally having the missing piece of a puzzle. It was great to have this movie to learn more about Nat, who's been such an integral part of the Avengers, and how her life went from fulfilling a mission to finding a purpose. Next up, Gabby Black Widow at Blondery says, It has been my motivation to keep going, and it gave me something happy to look forward to and helped me get through this hard year. I'm so relieved it came out, but obviously sad Nat has officially left us. Hmm. This one is an email from Dylan DeSalt, which says, I thought it was great to have a conclusion to Black Widow's story arc, and I have been dying to see her backstory. The action was absolutely amazing, and Yelena was great, Red Guardian was great, and I want to see them in the future. And that post credit scene was insane. This was a satisfying film, and I definitely recommend it for all who have not seen it. Yep, do it. You heard the person. Go out and watch the movie. Cass at Cassie Infinity says... I'm so happy Marvel used its platform to make a superhero film with 99% of the action being women. We finally have a true female action film and having it be for the first female Avengers story too is just the cherry on top. Thank you for that one. Next up, we have Ariella at Ariella M, which says Black Widow is evidence that a female-led cast and creative team can do amazing work when given the chance. For once, I didn't feel like I was watching an action movie that was made for just men or pandering to female fans. This was a movie for me. Brittany Matter at Brittany Matter tweeted, six years ago, I participated in a flash mob demanding a Black Widow movie. Uh, She posted a picture and says, I'm the one in the shorts. I'm so stoked that her solo film is finally coming out. Yes. uh, Honestly, um, shout out to Brittany, who writes for some of our .com articles, who's wonderful. And to so many fans who really did demand this movie, I think it's really, really wonderful when fans make their voices heard, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Havana Banana at Don't Troy Me, which says, This is a very emotional, important, and personal post about why I will cherish this story and movie for the rest of my time. I never talked about it before, and I cried a lot writing this. And then goes on to post a long note here which says, I honestly don't know how to start this because I'm already crying. A few people ask me why I'm so invested in the story of Black Widow and why this movie is very important to me. And even I got asked why I immediately, after it was announced that Yelena is Nat's sister, fell in love with the character and immediately related to her. A portrayal of siblings is very important to me, especially in Marvel, while it's one of my favorite fictional universes. I myself have an older sister, and that was one of the reasons I connected to Yelena. Although I didn't want to go to the premiere with her because I knew I would have been an even bigger mess. But it's not the point of this post. The biggest, most important thing about this story and their relationship is that I did lose a sibling too. I never talked about it here or with any one of my Twitter friends, so it's a bit hard to not cry right now. I can relate to the pain and grief. The thought of them not coming back hit me so hard I felt physical pain in my chest. They go on to explain uh, a bit more some spoilers about the film. Um, and how it touched them as a person, which was really, really lovely. Um, And then to finish up, there are lots of words that can describe how you feel or how to name the certain things, but there isn't a word to describe a person who loses their sibling. It's just pain, you know. And on that note, I really do feel like this story made me feel seen and acknowledged in some way that I could and had a chance to connect and feel the emotions and the pain, even though it hurt me. I will cherish this in my heart for the rest of my days. I didn't want to write more details without me having a full breakdown, which already happened, but that's how I wanted to answer these questions from the beginning. And that's why it's important to me and all that I can say without bursting into tears is I love Natasha Romanoff and Elena with all my heart. It's a lovely note. Thank you for sharing that story. And uh, I hope this helps. It does seem like it has. So that's wonderful. All right. We've got a Facebook message in here from our old pal, Amanda Francis. Amanda says, I am desperately trying to catch up on the podcast currently in February, but I can't help but think. A really cool Marvel Insider perk would be to be interviewed on This Week in Marvel. Just a short one, please. I have so many Insider points that I need to use, and I want to be asked, what is your Marvel origin story? Uh, Amanda, that's a great suggestion. I love, love that. 
Yeah, I am going to share that with the uh, Marvel Insider team and the rest of the podcast team. Obviously, some of them are listening right now. But if we can make that happen, that would be pretty cool. That's a that's a fun perk. That's a great suggestion. Next, Kevin Nevels uh, sent us a message on our Facebook page, which said, Hello, Twim. I was driving today listening to the podcast. It's my favorite podcast. I was thinking about the big 500th episode, and I'm wondering how big the 616th show will be. Is that <laughs> how you, you say 616? One, what did I say? You said 616. I don't know. I think 616 makes sense to me. Because it's everybody says, no one says the 616th. I, I know, guess but... they do for episode, but I say 616 universe. I I stand by my pronunciation, Ryan. I was on a roll. Hope I, I don't it. slip on the butter. All right. So... I'm wondering how big your 616th episode will be. Thank you for helping me stay up to date with all things Marvel. Um, maybe we should just jump right on over that 600th episode and hop on down to the 616th. <laughs> yeah, we'll just skip skip a, a hundred and change. I like that. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to have to do something fun. But we've got like two years, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Kevin, I, I like that you're listening to us while you drive. I love to know like what situation people listen to their podcast. Like I put podcasts on while I'm doing work in the house and other stuff. But if you need backseat drivers, Lorraine and I are here to help right now for you, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, can you can you please make sure you use your turn signal? Stop just like turning all these corners without putting your turn signal on. You're driving me Slow crazy. down. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. There's We're, no rush. There's no rush. Speed up. Come on. We, actually, though, the speed limit is 55. You're doing a 40. People are are just like, they're not happy about this. Stop here. Stop here. Stop here. I got to go. Bye, Kevin. <laughs> All right. We've got one more this week. It's from the overpowered tech lord at Lex Pendragon, which says, To Bobby on This Week in Marvel, thank you for sharing. I know too many people, people I love and care about, that would hear a story like that and would think you should keep it to yourself. I am of the opinion that stories like yours need to be shared to help people who want you to keep quiet, to come to realize they need to keep their oppressive opinions to themselves. Just let you be you. Congrats on finding yourself. Heck yeah. Yeah. Once again, Bobby, you are loved and we see you. We appreciate you. That's it. That wraps it up for us on this episode. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Magos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Alexi's Flexies. Alexi's Flexies, the flexible wear that makes you feel strong. Alexi's Flexies. Let's go. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>